Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. is using his passion project to find answers in another cold case hundreds of miles away in Knox County. The victim is known as the red-headed Jane Doe, and her murder captivated the community nearly 33 years ago. Today, by way of a podcast, Connor McHugh joined Shane Waters in his pursuit for justice. How old did you say you were? Shane Waters is on a mission today. Did you actually attend the funeral? That brought him hundreds of miles away from his home in Indiana. That kind of thing didn't happen in Barbersville. No, it's a very rare occurrence. It's a sleepy little town. Waters is a podcaster, and his latest project focuses on six murder victims from the 1980s, including the woman buried right here. Does the community still think about it? Yeah. It's a common story that I guess anybody my age or above would remember. She's known as the red-headed Jane Doe. 33 years ago, newspapers reported she was asphyxiated and left in a refrigerator in the woods. The story touched the people of Knox County so much, they gave her a funeral. The people from that area at that time knew that she was a person. And no matter what her background or history was, that she deserved to be remembered. For his next episode, Waters wanted to learn as much as he could from where it all happened. I think if it was a local, they wouldn't have brought her here knowing that someone would find her. Scott Klaus served as tour guide to the tragedy his town is still trying to comprehend. They want to see this solved, and the only way to be able to do that is pass the memory of the case down. 
Waters's task is a tough one. She deserves a name, and she deserves justice for her case. He hopes to find both of those in this journey. Covering the news in Knox County, Connor McHugh, LEX 18 News. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see what happens with this. <laughs> so, do you think it's a pretty good chance that this is actually her daughter? Yes. In the last episode, I had a really good interview with her. She described to me the two necklaces that she was wearing. The eagle represented a mascot, school mascot for the local high school. Uh-huh. And the heart pendant her brother bought her as a birthday present. Oh, really? Yep, so she can name both of those necklaces, which is really telling, I think. This is Scott Klaus, who is riding in my car with me. In part three of our series, you heard from Elizabeth, who believes the redhead Jane Doe found in Barberville, Kentucky, is her mother. I traveled to Barberville to speak to some of the locals, including Scott, about how this victim's murder impacted their city when she was found. Throughout this entire series, this is the only city that came together to provide one of these victims a funeral, burial plot, and a headstone. I found Scott in a coffee shop downtown, and he was kind enough to help me find where the Jane Doe was buried, where her remains were found, as well as where the truck stop was, where witness Bruce, who you also heard in part three, says he saw her getting into a cab over truck. I was 10 years old when that happened. And I can remember, like, they put everybody on lockdown because they didn't know if the murderer was local or what had happened. They wouldn't let us outside to play even for weeks. So let's see. Let's turn this way. It's a beautiful place. It really is. We've been working hard on trying to revitalize downtown. Yeah, it looks really nice. That was a really cool coffee shop. Yep. And then you're making another immediate left on Willie Henson Lane. Or Harrison Lane. Willie Harrison Lane. You've never been here, you said? Not to the cemetery. But one of our longtime city employees was over at the office while I was texting him, and he used to be the head of our water and electric company. And he said, yeah, he said, I can tell you, what, Kim that owns the coffee shop is right behind her parents' house. Okay. So that'd be in the left lane? Huh? So I'm going left somewhere? Yeah, yeah, you can go overhead, hit the left lane if you want to. We're going to go about two more miles up the road. Did you have several people that haven't talked to you today? Or Yeah, while I was at the coffee shop, two people came by, and so I'll put this next one. Yeah, next turn. And then... Before I got into town, I stopped at a gas station and was talking to people there just randomly. But yeah, it's definitely something that everyone remembers that they were here at that time. Now I'm trying to remember. It's somewhere up here on this hill. Should I pull into the church? No, just going down and go to the next little lane right there and turn up it. I think that should take you to it. Do you know the people that own it? Own the cemetery? No. I'm not sure it's not marked. And I don't know if that's a driveway or a cemetery. 
Should we park just here and walk out? You get a bigger chance of getting shot walking up than you were driving out. Should I just continue around? Or? I want to say that's the cemetery. Look how flat. Maybe not. There's some kind of structure right there. Keep on going around. Stop. Mike, going around through here, we'll see. I think I sent tombstones back up there. If it's dead ends, well, my old turn around come back. <laughs> I'm not. Like, that's exactly what it's got to do. So you might want to turn around here. It'll be that gravel road back up there. Grab turn around. <laughs> the yep, it's the gravel road. Can you see the stones from here? Yeah. It's going to be fun driving up it. Then we should drive up it or walk it. Oh, yeah, just drive up and do it. be fine. Just take your time and it shouldn't spin out. It should be packed up. Oh, yeah. Let's see it. And she should be back in one of the two back corners. I can't remember which one it is. I want to say it's this corner over here. Little doggy. Yeah. You say you're more likely to get shot walking. <laughs> That's true. People think you're stealing if you're walking. <laughs> Lord, don't look down. <laughs> oh, I forget you guys don't have heels. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. Here we go. Probably this. You might be a good little there, but I would park that right here. Still my boy. What? Were you guys nervous? No. <laughs> I'm Sadly, sure you guys have went worse places. I have been much worse places. <laughs> I'm going to flip this on. Okay. I can't tell you how many places like this up there. I said, should we walk off it? He's no, you're liable to get shot walking. <laughs> people don't think you're stealing if you're driving. Yeah. This is Connor from LEX18. After hearing I plan to be in town digging around for the podcast, he asked to meet up with me. Him and the cameraman followed us around Barberville and recorded for the new segment that you heard in the beginning of this episode. I saw it up there. Is it up there? Yep. Looks like a turnaround spot right up there, too. You guys have bears here? Yes. Yeah, not many. More, more east you'll find more. Yeah. You'll have a spare two or three sightings a year down here. That major. More elk than anything. Elk's been influxing in here like crazy. All right, you ready? Yeah. They're just going to do their thing, so tag along. Did you actually attend the funeral? No, I was a child at that time. I was only 10 years old. Did people actually come up here, though? Yeah. Actually, she had a huge funeral. A lot of the local businessmen and a lot of the local politicians all went together and had her a huge funeral because they thought it was sad that it could have been somebody's mother, somebody's child, and nobody knew. How old did you say you were? I was 10 years old at the time. But you remember, like, when they found her and all that news? Yeah, it was real weird. They wouldn't let a lot of the women drive to work by herself. A lot of the children was basically kept locked in the house because nobody knew who the murderer was. And so it changed time. 
that thing, that kind of thing didn't happen in Barbersville. No, it was a very rare occurrence. It's a sleepy little town that we've all got used to the safety of, and this was a rare occurrence in, back in the 80s. Do you know of anyone that did attend the funeral? I know several of the local businessmen and politicians that did. I know Judge J.M. Hall, who's our county judge right now. He was a deputy coroner at the time. He was part of that. I know Coroner Jerry Garland at the time. He took part in it. What's very unique about this case versus the other ones is this is really the first time a city anyone really cared about these victims enough to make sure that they had a funeral, to make sure they have a plot where you can come visit. Someone donated the spot and paid for the stone. Was that a donation or did someone just... <laughs> that I'm not sure. I'm sure. But this was a private cemetery, right? I do believe so. I think it's probably a family-owned way. It looks like it's laid out. but Looks like a lot of Smiths today. I know it's been a long time since she was found, but what kind of effects is the community still, like, does the community still think about it? Yeah, it's a common story that I guess anybody my age or above would remember. A lot of the local younger people just never heard of it. When you first heard about this girl named Elizabeth come out and say, I think this is my mom, how did the community take that? I really didn't get to talk to a lot of people that would have known the story. But I thought that it's good that we could actually put that history to rest. And I'm sure that her family will enjoy that as well. Back then, I'm sure they didn't expect this woman to have been murdered by a serial killer, I assume. Not again. That was way before we have the technology that we have today to be able to tell the types of crimes. And I'm sure that's what's been the biggest holdup on trying to identify her and identify her family. It's been so many years. Is this the only Jane Doe case that the town remembers? Off the top of my memory, I wanted to say yes, but I wouldn't vouch for that. But what time I know of, yes. When the DNA results come back, how do you think the town will respond? I think a lot of the elders of the town would be nice to know that they finally, the woman that, that they laid the rest actually has a family, and that family now has closure to that part of their life. What do you think it is about Barbersville that differ from all of the other places that Jane does from this case? I'm not real for sure on that, but I know with our community, we're a close-knit community. And it's rare for something like this to happen. And it's just sad in that kind of respect. And that's where our town pulls together. And that's where how her funeral come about. Up until now, it seems like most of the media attention for this case as well as the other Jane Doe cases or the others that are involved in the Redhead murders, it seems like all of the attention is just from local people. Some news stations locally will pick it up. But now I have an international audience that you're speaking through this mic. So do you think that in some way, even if we can't identify who killed her, that maybe the story of the people in Barberville more than three decades ago came together because one, person who may or may not have been from their neighborhood but they came together to make sure that she had a funeral i come from a loving family i can't imagine my mom or any of my cousins just suddenly ending up in a place like this yeah unknown yeah but i think that in some manner we know that the evil happened 
this woman was murdered by someone. But in the other instance, Barbersville gives us a hope that there are still kind people, there are still kind neighborhoods that will come together when someone who may not be their own is hurt. And I think that's why I wanted to come to Barbersville. Um, I didn't pronounce it, did I? Barberville. Barberville. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's why I wanted to come to Barberville because it was so shocking to me that this whole community came together. Like, that's huge for a Jane Doe case like this. And again, that's where we're a close-knit community. And if this, this helps one step closer to helping solve the other cases, then that's what we want. Throughout this three decades, did you guys hear about the redheaded murders on and off very vaguely nothing that was repetitive or nothing that's an every year thing if this comes back and she is one of the victims from this serial killer as we deep dive into these chilling tales we all need a moment of escape a way to unwind without the shadow of the night creeping in here's where recess mood comes in crafted with real fruit and infused with mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing aptogens. Recess Mood is your guilt-free retreat. With just 20 calories, no added sugar, it's not just a sparkling water. It's a sanctuary and a can. Imagine unwinding during a gripping episode of Foul Play with a can of strawberry rose, or my favorite, raspberry lemon. Letting the stress melt away without the aftermath of alcohol. It's my little secret to staying balanced in the chaos of a busy life. You deserve a healthier way to unwind, to recharge, and to prepare for the next journey into the unknown with Foul Play. And for the devoted Foul Play listeners, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com shane to get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card, rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill do you think that the narrative will change in barbersville on how they remember her oh i think so i think so as bad as the case was at least now we have some way of saying because our community held together 
and remembered this moment, which is what made it very different than a lot of the other ones. Hopefully, that's the reason why her family finds her. You know what I like about this is it's been more than three decades of Barberville remembers still. Oh, absolutely. I knew that just from talking to people at the gas station on the way here. Even younger people that weren't around at that time, they're like, oh, yeah, my mom or my grandma told me stories about her. So I think that's a, whenever I work these cases, it can be very taxing on you. But I always try to find hope. And I think that you guys pulling together provides that hope. And what I hope now is that if this is Elizabeth's mom, we can put her name on the stone and then find out who killed her. So I guess this is just the stone. Yeah, that's the stone. Yes. So by coming up to it and checking it out, how does this help you? I think one of the things about this stone, like I said, I can't, it's so unique for a Jane Doe to have a stone. There was no federal government that came in and paid for it. She wasn't buried in a grave with a number. This community really wanted to make sure that although they couldn't give her a name, they could give her a stone and a plot and a funeral. And in a way, I think for me visiting this, try not to cry, to be honest with you, but I've, through this whole series, I've seen many Jane Doe cases. Everyone tells me that it's going to be very hard to find information. So coming here and seeing her stone, it just re reconfirms to me that she is a real person. And that's important, but regardless on if she was soliciting at the time. Regardless of her background, she deserves a name and she deserves justice for her case. And I think until she gets a name, a lot of communities will forget. But that's something that that this town fought to prevent. And that's why that stone is there now. That's why I wanted to come. If the town cared enough to provide her a funeral and a stone, I care enough to travel eight hours to see it. For you, since you have done this story before, as I turn my mic toward you, <laughs> since you've done this story before, what do you think seeing the stone now? Well, I know that you know her story. Yeah, it just definitely makes it more real and makes it, it just, it may not put a name, but it puts something cemented in this town that it will always be here and her story will always be there to be told. Right. Subtract possible. It's not that empty lot. We'd be able to go there, but I mean, other than actually seeing the building and stuff. Okay. I still like just to go there. Yeah. How far is that from here? Is that closer to 75? Right at 75. So 29. Okay. Closer, I think, would probably be what she was found, though, right? Yeah. We'll get to the actual site first. Okay. Okay. And then we'll get to stuff. We didn't get shot. It's always a good thing. The next two places were really good, so we don't have to worry about it. Worst thing in happen there is get run over. All I can say to that is I'd like to see someone explain to their insurance company they didn't see me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I've said that for years. Although I have been hit by three cars. So, wow. Yeah. On that case, you stand by the other guy. Yeah, I kind of asked for it. I've been a fireman for 22 years. Oh, so. that's right. Yeah. Do you guys get a lot of tourism? Surprisingly, you would be amazed how many people actually roll through here. It's estimated on a daily basis this road right through here gets about 67,000 cars a day. 
Wow. What normally draws people here? We are, I don't know why, but GPS-wise, if you Google heading north from like Florida or Georgia or any place, it routes you off of 75 at Williamsburg and takes the back roads and routes you right through Barberville. And I don't know why it does that, but everybody I've ever talked to says that. But a lot of people come through here for ATVing, which is we've got some huge ATV parks around here. And then uh, horseback riding, rock crawling. If during the historical sort, we're the first house in Kentucky. You're driving the Daniel Boone tracks right now. This is the Daniel Boone's route going to Boonesboro and then on the on the. I thought there was a festival here. Yeah, we have the oldest running consecutive <clears throat> festival in the state, which is the Daniel Boone Festival. We're the home of the Warriors Path, which was the. Indians, the pathway into the happy hunting grounds, which is what they called the Ohio Valley. Anything south of Cincinnati, all the way down here, they considered it a sacred hunting ground, and none of them actually lived here. They just came here to hunt. And then, therefore, every year it would re-multiply, and they thought, man, we'll never run out of food. But yeah, we, it's funny, Barberville is, was the first to so many things, but then Ken died. And I guess it died with the coal business because we were a booming coal town. Seems like you guys got a lot of truckers to drive through. You can be in two-thirds of the United States from Barberville in one day's drive. And that's kind of a rare thing because of our interstates and highways that do run close to us. You can be in two-thirds of the entire United States. That is impressive. Which is what makes Corbin attractive for our industry and that sort of thing. How far are we from the location where she was found? Oh, 10 miles. Okay. You remember getting off the interstate and there's a pilot? Yes. Okay, you remember going through that town and then as soon as you rolled out of that town, you had a big, long, straight stretch. She's right at the beginning of that big, long, straight stretch before you get here. My understanding back then, there was a pull-off at that spot? Yeah, uh-huh. and there's still open access to it. Is the pull-off still there? It should be. The emergency line right there beside of it, so we'll be good there. What we'll need to do is drive past it, turn into Sammy's auction house, and then drop back down. Okay. I really couldn't even find photos of this place. Of the, or the location where she was found? There's only two or three photos. Really? And that's, a, it's the April 4th, 1985 edition of the Mountain Advocate. And the reason why I know that is, as soon as I was trying to figure it out, I sent a text to the editor. And I said, hey, I need you to do me a favor. <laughs> Tell me exactly where that place was again. And so he's like, I can't remember, and I doubt that we've got it wrote down the exact location. Because I called my buddy at State Police Post that does the press releases and stuff. He's one of the ones you'll be talking to when the DNA comes back. Okay. His name's Shane Jacobs. Good name. And he lives here at Barford. But he was like, back in the day, we never did GPS anything. He said, so there's no GPS coordinates on her file. Can I give you an estimate on where I was? Well, while I was on the phone with him, the newspaper editor called the judge, judge executive, 
and because he was, he was one of the ones that worked the case, because he was deputy coroner at that time. And he said, well, I'll tell you exactly where it's at. Because it's the first murder case he ever worked. Really? He's 21 years old. He just became a deputy coroner. Yeah, if you look, if you see the newspaper and then of this article when they show her funeral, like she had this big, big full choir that done her, done singing at her funeral. All the local politicians and businessmen were her pallbearers. Like here they are, just the three piece suits. Did you know any of them? I knew a few of them, but then again, the majority of them has passed away. So they really wanted to make sure that she had to look. Oh, yeah, they didn't let her have a funeral of somebody that was truly a Jane Doe. You know what I mean? They treated her like she was a family member. I wonder if people went up to where she was buried. Well, I'm sure, because I think they had her funeral there at that funeral home there at the hill. Oh, okay. So really all they did was just move her from there and circle around, go up and travel in there. Did they take donations? Is that how they paid for it? I don't think they really ever asked. I want to say that just two or three of the businessmen decided, hey, we need to give this girl a funeral. And they, they pretty much called all the other men in town and said, hey, give me that. I wish I could do that. Well, for what it was for, I still think to this day, if it was the same sort of situation today, we could do the same thing. You think people would get together and have another? I, I think literally I could pick up the phone and call 20 people off the top of my head and probably have enough money to cover a few. <laughs> Just because that's the way that our town people, the majority of them are not selfish people. This goes to show what type of place Barberville is. We used to have a slogan when I first kept work at the jurist's office. Barberville, a wonderful place any time of the year. And it really held true, except for... Her, uh, what happened to her? After you get through this lot, go ahead and change lanes. Okay. Her body should have been somewhere. You see that mountain right there? Curves over as you go around the curve there. Not through there. So it'd be best to go on past it, turn into Sammy's. Somewhere here. We'll have to cut the. Oh, right there where the signs are. See where you turn up? Right there? Literally pulled right up against that sign. Alright. Should I do a U turn here or pull in? You probably want to go ahead and do a U. They got time to turn to. Just be careful when you go pull that. That'll bust the tire. Yeah. Should I put my blinkers on? Nah. Yep. So in there is where it was? Or in there? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Where are we going? The judge actually talked to you about what this looks like. Now, at one time, this was all in so this whole thing used to be garbage. Yeah. Two guys found it. Three, two, the freezer, scrap metal. That's how they found it. Okay. 
It can happen any day with us. That must be the little... You can see where there's still trash. We'll still dispose of stuff. This whole thing is just a dump. Look at that. Do people normally pull off? Like, how do they normally turn stuff away here? Or how did they back then? Back then, they did not dump stuff. Okay. Just pull up at night and throw it out and go. Now, would they park down there? Yeah, I'm going to guess. It's probably a place to leave the blood of that log that they crashed. Yeah. That's probably more likely. So I can see, now that I'm here, I can definitely tell that it's dumb. Why, why people would come here. And I can also see why someone would dump something here. They probably wouldn't, especially. So the fact that the locals know that this is where people come to dump things. Yeah. And people come to look through things and garbage pick. I would assume that this guy probably didn't know that. No, he would just thought it was the park, though. Right. So he probably comes here, sees the fridge, puts her in it. Probably. Thinks that no one will ever find her. Probably. Leaves. I think if it was a local, they wouldn't have brought her here, knowing that someone would find her. No, there's too many remote areas. Right. Have you ever been here? Yes. No. Okay, but you knew, did you know what was here? No, I didn't know That's something that, for people who have listened to my podcast, I like to go where people were found. I think that you can read about this case and similar cases, but until you actually come here, it's hard to get a grasp on the location. I know, for example, it's hard to find any photos of this place. I think I found one. It may have been black and white. So the idea of trying to imagine someone bringing her here, it was hard to believe. Why would they bring her up a hill to dispose of her? But now that you're here, you get really get the essence. And if Bruce is correct and he saw them at the gas station, you pull out the gas station, Bruce and I both believe he probably would have just stopped here. And at night, this would have been very early in the morning, probably 2 o'clock in the morning. So it's going to be at night. I doubt anyone would think twice back then about a trucker stop. I think it's really what this guy had going for him. Not only was he picking women who were transient, whose family property would be time, but he also was a trucker. And how many times, I'm from Indiana, I see truckers on the side of the road all the time. I never think twice. I never called 911. There's a trucker weirdly on the road. So, yeah, I'm glad that I could come here. Something that really, that really shocks me though is that he, that anyone I get, I, we all have heard about murder. We've heard about people dying and getting killed, but to dispose of someone like their trash in a dump, like that just, that's a whole new level. So I think in essence, that's also why I feel like this case, although the other women were not found within a refrigerator, I still feel like that one slight shift doesn't exclude this case from being a part of the redheaded murders.
I'm spooky this weekend right around here, too. Yeah, it's spooky. And I think that I know what before I told you about being in a place where something horrible happened. That's what this place is. You know, I don't think there's any good memories here. I'm glad you guys could come up here and experience that. Join me next week as I take you to where the truck stop was that Bruce says he managed when he saw the redhead victim going with the trucker in the direction her remains were found.